Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we're running through the results for the half year to the 31st of October 21. We have a presentation which Nick and I will run through, and then uh, at the end of that, we'll be delighted to answer any questions you may have. As many of you know, we're a leading professional services consultancy with multiple service lines across two divisions. We help our clients maximize the value of their assets throughout the economic cycle. Our first division, Insolvency and Advisory, turned over 38 million in the first half, and its major services fall into three categories, corporate and personal insolvency, corporate finance, and financial advisory, including our new asset finance business. Our second division, Property and Asset Services, turned over 14 million in the period and covers valuations, transactional services, property consultancy, planning and management. Our model is to be in the local business community, so we have many offices around the country, as you can see from the uh, graph at the bottom of the page. We also have approximately 1,000 people and our senior people are professional staff qualified as either licensed insolvency practitioners and or accountants, chartered surveyors or lawyers. And over the last four years, our cumulative average growth rate in adjusted EPS has been 20%. Moving over to, over to the next slide, we are pleased to report a strong first half performance and we're confident of the full year outlook. We've seen significant growth in revenue and profits, first time contribution from recent acquisitions, our market share gains take us to over 14% by volume of the insolvency corporate market. And our property services recovery from lockdown impacted comparative periods means an additional 19% on turnover growth for the property division. We are announcing a 10% increase in our interim dividend, which builds on the increase over the last four years. We've maintained our strong financial position with net cash at the period end, plus significant bank facilities available for M&A and working capital if needed. We are confident of delivering market expectations for the full year. Thank you, Rick. So, strong first half, the financial highlights of which are an increase in revenue of 39% on the comparative period. 36% of that is acquisitions, and that's coming from the transactions we completed over the course of calendar year 2021. Operating profits are up by 56%, with margins improved by 1.6 percentage points to 16%, and pre-tax profits up by 60% to 8 million from 5 million in the comparative period. EPS up by 32%, that's following the 19% increase in issued shares as a result of the placing we completed in March, and as Rick said, Interim dividends increased by 10% to 1.1p and closing the period with 1.2 million of net cash compared to 0.7 million. Looking at performance by operating division, we've had significant growth from both of our divisions. Recovery and advisory, revenue growth of 12.6 million. Acquisitions, 13.2 million, and that was partially offset by lower organic revenues of 0.6 million. And that reflects the market dynamics we've seen over the course of the last six months of an increased volume of lower value cases 
and Rick will talk about the market dynamics that we've seen over the course of the period. Our operating margins have been broadly maintained at just over 25%, and our insolvency order book was increased to 29 million from 28.3 million at the start of the financial year and 20.9 million at the end of the comparative period. And that reflects the benefit of acquisitions and continued market share gains. And that order book gives us confidence on our future revenue levels. Within advisory, our corporate finance team had a successful six months of deal completions. We have a strong pipeline of transactions for the second half. And our new finance broking business that came into the group in May has performed in line with expectations. Within property services, revenue up by 2.2 million principally driven by the recovery of activity levels compared to the lockdown impacted comparative. So the first quarter of the previous financial year was the, the hard lockdown. And we've also got the benefit of acquisitions completed over the course of this calendar year. Operating margins on the back of that uplift in performance, recovering to 17.6%. And we've continued to develop the business. We've continued to recruit fee earners, which have strengthened our clients offering key areas of valuation, agency and lease advisory. And we've broadened our clients base, partly enhanced by public sector frameworks, but also through leveraging off those recent acquisitions in London and Sheffield. Central costs are down as a percentage of revenue to 6.9% from 7.2%. And that cost run rate we're at in the first half of this year is in line with the second half of financial year 21. A reminder of our recent acquisitions, which are pleased to report are all performing well. CVR and DRP joined the business in January and March. They were the significant uh, insolvency acquisitions, which have a material impact on the scale of our insolvency business, which you can see in the numbers we're reporting here today, and notably in the key London marketplace. Just a reminder, they brought in about 20 million of fee income and four and a half million of annual profits. The integration of those businesses has been completed on target and all local teams are operating out of common locations. We've got the people working together. And both businesses, as I said, have performed well and are in line with expectations. The finance brokerage, Math Finance Group, acquired in May right at the start of this financial year that complements our advisory and transactional services, debt advisory, valuing and sale of assets, and it also deepens our relationships with lenders across the group. We've got significant growth targets in the consideration model, and we're currently on track to meet the first performance hurdle at the end of year two, following a good first half of this financial year. And we've identified synergy and cross-selling opportunities as the team has integrated well into the group. And within property services, we've enhanced our network, the HNG business, came into the group in February at the start of this, this calendar year. That's been integrated and merged with our London team. There's a number of projects we anticipate to come through, giving a second half weighting to their performance. And the Fernie Greve Sheffield team has merged with our existing Edison Sheffield team and they joined the group in October. We've maintained our strong financial position. We have net cash at the period end of 1.2 million. And that's having made three and a half million of acquisition and deferred consideration payments in the six months. There are some phasing differences, half one to half two this year. I'll just talk through those. 
In the prior period, we had a free cash flow of six million. We benefited some from uh, VAT payments in the first half, which were deferred to the second half. So that was a half one, half two timing, 2.7 million. Pre-tax profits up by 3 million with an increase in tax payments of 0.6. And within our working capital, timing difference again, payments in H1, we anticipate that will have about 2 million of that 2.5 million will reverse in the second half. That's given us a free cash flow in the first six months of this year of 3.2 million, out of which we have paid dividends and acquisition and deferred payments of three and a half million. And there's a further 3.8 million of deferred consideration payments, which we anticipate going out in the second half of this financial year. We've got significant headroom within our bank facilities that provides us with flexibility both for M&A and for any uh, working capital funding that might be needed. And those facilities is a 25 million unsecured committed revolving credit facility and a 5 million acquisition line. And those facilities are in place until 2023. I'll now hand back to Rick to uh, talk through the insolvency market and how things have moved over the last six months. Thank you very much, Nick. Moving to slide seven, a look at the insolvency market where activity levels are now increasing. The market, of course, was impacted by government support measures since the start of the pandemic, but is now starting to normalize. Most of these measures disappeared at the end of September, mainly the furlough scheme, but there are some other measures still in place, which will be uh, there till the end of March of next year, which is in respect of winding up petitions below 10,000 pounds, and landlords' right to take action. In terms of volume, we've seen those increase since uh, a low of just about 2,400 appointments in the first quarter of calendar 21 to a level of 3,800 appointments in quarter three, which is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. The increase in activity is mainly from smaller companies, so liquidation volumes, which tend to be the um, solution of choice for small businesses are back at uh, pre-pandemic levels and administrations we're starting to see an increase a small increase but they are still at below pre-pandemic levels in terms of where the pain is being uh, felt it is across the board but particularly construction retail and hospitality in terms of potential catalysts for growth the end of the support measures as mentioned we're starting to see the impact of that Credit pressure increasing. We've seen a 70% increase in CCJs, that's county court judgments, in quarter three. The well-documented inflation and supply chain issues, which are being faced by business at the moment. Significant increase in corporate debt. Two-thirds of the additional debt taken on during the pandemic is in the SME sector. And working capital funding pressures. More funds are needed to ramp businesses back up to the level of operations they enjoyed before and many SMEs do not meet the commercial criteria for further borrowing. So as a result of all of that, we expect to see a continued increase in insolvencies in the fourth calendar quarter and into next year. Moving on to slide eight, looking at our own recovery and advisory developments. Our insolvency market share increased from 10% to 14%. And that's a mixture of organic growth and the benefit of the acquisitions that have now joined us. We are first by some considerable margin in terms of the numbers of liquidations we handle. 
in the marketplace and second in terms of administrations. As said, the mix of appointments favours the smaller businesses, the liquidations where we've seen that return to normal levels, which tend to be smaller, lower absolute margin per case, but higher volume and less volatility. And we're working to improve the efficiency on those cases using automation where possible to improve workflows and margin. We continue to see activity on significant jobs appointed in the prior year, and they've come both from our organic business and our acquired businesses and our new offshore practice. Those larger assignments typically take three to five years to run, so it's normal for um, the benefit of activity and billings to uh, continue over that period. In terms of our new service line finance broking, that's progressing well and bedding into the group. We've already seen gross lending going out of 170 million in the first six months, which is more than the 150 million in the 12 months prior to acquisition. And there are good growth opportunities to increase the market share in that business and for cross-selling with our other service lines. And our corporate finance business had a successful six months of deal completions and a strong pipeline of opportunities for the second half. Moving on to our property business, a broad portfolio provides growth opportunities. We have a well-spread client base and range of service lines. The particular opportunities in the current market are to see a significant insolvency capability benefit from increasing activity. So plant and machinery valuation and disposal for property, receivership, auction and agency. Our specialist insurance broker insuring assets in insolvent situations and our vacant property risk management service. In terms of the public sector, which is now a focus for us, we've got on more public sector frameworks, frameworks like the Crown Commercial Services, ESPO used by many councils, and Homes for England, are all frameworks which are, which are generating work for us. And our NHS lease advisory contract is now underway and providing activity and billings. And we have a continued support on the education sector. In terms of banks and financial institutions, we're on all the major bank panels and are winning work, both in terms of valuations for new lending and also distressed valuations. And there are many acquisition opportunities to enhance our expertise and coverage in this particular division, as well as good recruitment opportunities of experienced professionals. We have a well-established and successful growth strategy based on acquisitions and organic growth. In terms of acquisitions, for property, it's to enhance our expertise and coverage, to broaden and diversify our advisory service offerings, and to increase our insolvency market share. All of these things we've been active on in the past and have opportunities to expand in the future. We've completed 13 acquisitions, all income enhancing in the last five years. And in terms of organic growth, our emphasis is on development of our people, focusing on training and staff retention, Recruitment of new talent for their expertise and work-winning following. Enhanced cross-selling. There are incentives in place to cross-sell across our various activities. And we now have a direct sales and marketing resource established to help that activity. And we're investing in technology and process to win and process cases. And that organic growth is responsible for 50% of our growth over the last five years. And this strategy overall of acquisitions and organic growth 
have delivered our cumulative average growth rate of 20% in EPS over the last five years. Just some detail there on that growth. Adjusted profits before tax and EPS have more than doubled over that period. Annualized growth rates of 14% in revenue, half organic, half through acquisition. That 20% adjusted EPS, again, half organic, half through acquisition. An 8% increase in dividend over time. And in addition to that, uh, we're looking at analysts forecasting significant growth for the current year, of which we're reporting the first half, in the range of adjusted profit before tax of 17 to 18 and a half million. Moving on to the summary, confidence in the full year, a strong financial performance in the period, a step change in scale. We're confident of delivering market expectations for the full year, which will represent a year of significant growth. We expect the results to be second half weighted, anticipating that increase in insolvency, which, as we've explained, has started to happen already. A range of complementary service lines gives us a strong platform for growth. We continue to progress the pipeline of acquisition opportunities and organic growth initiatives. We're building on that track record of growth, that 20% average per year. And the next update will be in Q3 in early March of next year. That's the end of the formal presentation. We'll be delighted to take questions. So there's a question from Andy Edmund at Equity Development. Just a couple of questions. Um, firstly, on the, uh, the the pace of change in, in insolvencies, um, and I'm certainly not going to ask you for a specific date, but um, the, there are already surveys coming out about hiring and, unfortunately, firing um, intentions uh, post the withdrawal of furlough, again, focused on the, the SME sector. Um, what, what's yours a read right up to uh, current day and you know, how you see uh, momentum building at the moment and will it take weeks, months, broadly looking into 2022 to see more of this activity? Well, thanks for the question, Andy. Obviously, it is the great unknown and there's so much uncertainty at the moment with our, our new variant and what will happen over the next few months. So that, that will impact potentially the pace of change. But I think, I think that momentum of seeing increased quarter on quarter, moving into quarter four, where we already are now, and into quarter one calendar of next year, inevitably we will see increases, but that, that rate will be impacted, I suspect, on what happens in terms of um, measures to, to combat any increase in infection, uh, whether that uh, means that uh, there will be any lockdowns and potential uh, additional support measures put in place or the existing ones that haven't uh, expired yet pushed, pushed further down the track. So it is very difficult to say exactly when we're going to see a material increase. And, and we, we still believe that we're likely to see a, a steady increase as this year ends and next year begins. And then a, a second question, uh, more generally, in, in the past, um, and you have a strong balance sheet at the moment, um, you've talked about using that in some of the uh, long-term progression of, of cases uh, that might take uh, many years to uh, you know, reach a conclusion and, and essentially gearing more into the outcome of, uh, of, of those uh, long cases. 
is that still ongoing? Is it something that's um, on the back burner or, or growing at the same time? Well, in, in terms of the cases you talk about where you don't bill as you go, and many of the larger cases, there is that opportunity to, to, to bill as and when assets are realised throughout the case. So the cash flow on those cases and therefore the building of the work in progress is not significant. I think the cases you're talking about, Andy, are probably those, those contingent cases where there's litigation involved and it can take quite a time to, to actually win your case um, locate assets, turn them into cash, and therefore get paid. Um, that that is something which you know, we are very keen to expand as a business. But in terms of the percentage of that activity, as a percentage of the overall, it's probably just kept track with our overall growth. Would you say that, Nick? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks very much. And we'll go to Rachel May at Shawcap. Morning. Um, so I noticed that you've doubled your share of the administration market in the last two years. It's gone from six percent to twelve percent, and I assume a lot of that come from the acquisition of um, CVR and DRP last year. But do you still think we're yet to see the full benefit of those acquisitions, and is there scope for the twelve percent share of the administration market at higher? And then, uh, just to follow on from that, I appreciate it's been a challenging market, but have you started to see the benefits of your increasing London presence? Yes. Nick, do you want to, to handle that in terms of numbers? Because a fair, fair amount of that increase will be because of our acquisition of the two significant London practices. Yeah, so on the, on the administration side, Rachel, you're right. That's, um, that uplift to a large extent has come from the, uh, the two acquisitions that we did. And as we look down our, our case list now, then at the, the larger end of the scale, a fair element of that has come from the acquisitions. I think what, what's been notable, and Rick highlighted it on his slide on the insolvency market, is the administration market has been particularly quiet over the course of the um, the last 12 months. So what, what we haven't yet seen is the benefits of having those acquisitions and that increased team in London working through a more normal market where the mid-market, which is where the higher margin, larger insolvency cases come about. So I think as that recovers, we would expect to see the benefits of that coming through. Thank you, that's very helpful. And we'll go to Portia Patel at Canaccord. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, it was just, again, on the insolvency market with respect to administrations. I'm just thinking under what circumstances might, um, might the current subdued volumes continue? And under what circumstances might we not see um, the increase that we're all anticipating in the, the higher value, higher margin um, jobs. Just any colour on, on your thoughts there would be helpful. Well, in, in terms of the, the slightly larger jobs, of course, they, they, they have more opportunity to avoid insolvency because they have the, a, a greater capacity to borrow um, the, the stakeholders who are, who are owed more have more of an interest in trying to put a restructuring plan together if they can, often behind the scenes without the need for formal insolvency. So it is understandable that they're the businesses that, that can withstand um, what we've seen a little bit more than the, the smaller businesses, which ultimately have, have very little opportunity to, to raise finance and to, uh, and to struggle through. In terms of what we're likely to see, I suspect we'll see 
those mid-market cases coming back, but I don't expect to see a sudden wave of activity. I think it will be um, fairly well-structured and a return to normal sort of levels of activity there. Unless, of course, we have a very tough winter and uh, demand drops significantly and those businesses find themselves in a worse position than they currently are. Yeah, thank you, Rick. And we'll go to Roger Laboff from Equity Development. Hi, thank you. Um, you sort of covered this, but just look at your growth strategy. I wonder if your acquisitions are generally strategic or opportunistic, and if this has changed over the last 18 months. And from that perspective, has the, the chaos we've seen helped or hindered that strategy? Um, well, it's a mixture of the two. We're, we actively are looking for businesses, so I guess you'd call that strategic. So we're going out and identify businesses we think that will fit and having conversations with them. And, uh, and some are interested, some uh, are quite happy to remain independent. But also, as, as we have a reputation for acquiring businesses, there are others that are finding us and some of those, therefore, are opportunistic. Um, and we look at them and if we think that it's the right business in terms of the quality of their business, the quality of their management and the right price, then we're delighted to take it on board, even if it isn't something that we've sought out ourselves. And, and we expect that's the way it will continue. So we have a pipeline of opportunities at the moment, some of which have been sourced by us and um, you know, we can see where they fit into our strategy well and others that have come along and um, they, they fit in either simply by adding to the volume of what we're doing or they are ideas that we didn't have and somebody else from outside thought, uh, thought we should have, in which case we're open-minded to, to look at building additional services onto what we're doing so long as they fit the general criteria of what we're looking for. Right, thank you. I'm just out of curiosity, is that the businesses you acquire after that period, typically disappears independent entities and just become part of the broad group or do they stay do the other brands important do they stay as kind of standalone businesses how does it evolve well in, in terms of saying a standalone business businesses no no they don't so there's there's immediate um there's immediate integration of the back offices at the very least of those businesses um, in terms of ones which fit an existing service line, then they would morph into that and the, and the brand would change overnight and we'd look at how we could efficiently use uh, our resource through with the new business and the existing business together to see what synergies they are, either to, uh, to penetrate the market in a better way or to, or to have a, a more effective cost base. But there are some activities we've brought on board which are new activities for us. So in terms of day-to-day activities to a large extent in terms of market facing and how they do the job it will remain as it was and in some instances we've kept their brand where it's a very strong brand and we think that it would be negative to change it uh, certainly in the short term to one of our existing brands all right okay thank you and that's the end of questions rick do you have any closing remarks I'd just like to thank everybody for joining us to uh, just remind everybody it was a strong first half performance with a step change in uh, operations due to those acquisitions predominantly. We've got confidence in the full year, and uh, I hope everybody has a nice Christmas and New Year.
PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.